Uh, aren't you glad we have free air conditioning? Sort of free. <laughs> so because we have free air conditioning, our service is going to be three hours today because I know you all want to stay in here in the cool. Come on, you knew I was joking. That wasn't even funny. Gosh, you're on top of things. Well, I'm sure our guest speaker would like to have three hours because he has a lot on his heart for you today. Uh, today we get to hear from Bob Wamsley. Bob and Margaret came to us in recent years. Come on up, Bob. Really appreciated getting to know Bob's heart and hearing his wisdom and experience. And uh, Bob has recently taken over our men's ministry and is leading that, so we're excited about the direction that's headed. Uh, Bob also was a semi-regular speaker at his last church in Washington. Would that be fair to say that? And been able to hear from him before. And you on? Is it, yep, you're on. You're good. Make sure we're good. Hello? He said hello. I'll be the translator. <laughs> I think it's on, right? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. You guys open your hearts, open your ears, and hear what Bob has to say. I'm sure you're going to be encouraged this morning. He wasn't joking when he said a few hours. Because when I started this, it was a few hours, and I'd just been whittling it down and whittling it down and whittling it down. But for those of you that don't know me, my name is Bob Wamsley. My wife, Margaret, and I, we came here. We've been at Mount Helena Community Church since January of 2019. And we actually had retired in Las Vegas, moved to Washington, involved in a church over there. And then our daughter moved to Montana. Our daughter is sitting here, and my son-in-law, Nick, she met this great guy. She married him. And then she tells us, I'm having your first grandchild. So we just scrammed. We sold the cows. We sold the horses. We gave the chickens away. God sold our ranch. It was amazing how he intervened in that. And, and so we came here, and we got here on a Saturday with our last load, and it was Sunday morning, and I woke up, and the spirit was really turning inside me. And I woke her up, and I said, Babe, God wants us to fellowship today. He wants us to go to church. And she looked at me as if I had lost my mind. And she goes, Honey, everything we own is in a cardboard box, and we're sleeping on a ratty old mattress on the floor that we'd found in our guest house. I said, I know, but you know when God talks to you. And true to form, she goes, All right, let's go. And we came to Mount Helena Community Church and found a home. We've been here ever since. So... Anyhow, I have a little bit of experience speaking, and I thought, actually quite a bit, I shouldn't lie. But actually, um, I thought I'd be nervous today, but praise the Lord, man, God has stood me up, and I feel very comfortable, and I'm excited to share. And part of that is because of that excitement. And the Lord has been dealing with me over the past year in a couple of areas. And, And those who know me, one of those areas is discipleship. And you all are watching me go back and forth like a duck at the circus. But, but is that a, is discipleship. And so we're so good at advertisement. We're so good at telling people about the best restaurant because we've eaten there. The best movie because we liked it. The best truck because we drive it. The best church because we attend there. But when we invite people to our church these days, we don't disciple them. We invite them in and we drop the ball. We don't tell them, teach them how to read the Word of God. We don't teach them how to worship. We don't teach them how to praise the Lord. We don't let them latch on. Some some do, and I'm not saying everybody, but overall as a church, we don't disciple no more. And that's really been on my heart. And the other thing that's been on my heart is the Word of God. See, the Word of God is supposed to be in our life every single day. And it's like 
The churches are being built at a record number in our world, but faith is declining at a record number. Reading the Word of God used to be so important, and now that's declining too. So we're going to talk about the Word of God, and I know you're going, silly, we talk about the Word of God every Sunday, but we're going to talk about the origin of the Word of God and why it's so important in our lives every day. So I would ask you to pray with me, would you please? Gracious Lord, we give you glory and honor, and we thank you, Lord, that you would use us. We just praise you for that, Lord. And I just pray for open hearts and open minds today, Lord, and that Bob Wamsley would leave the building, God, that you would, your words would come through me, and our hearts and our minds would be open, and, and we would be inspired about your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A crisis is defined, let me put those on, a crisis is defined as an intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. And if I was to ask you all today about a crisis, what crisis is our country facing? What crisis is our world facing? What crisis is our church facing? Everybody would have an answer. Everybody would probably be right, and a lot of those answers would be the same. But I submit to you today that the biggest crisis we face is our lack of time in the Word of God. It's huge. It is very, it's a big, big crisis. And every crisis has a, a root cause, and every crisis has a fix. And the, the odd thing here is they're both centered around the Word of God. See, because the root cause is we're not in the Word of God anymore. And the fix is getting the Word of God, right? The best gift we can give to anybody, we all know this, is the gospel of Christ, is salvation, right? Everybody needs that salvation. But the second best gift that we can give to any human being is to share the Word of God and to teach people, encourage people how to study the Word of God. Because really, what are we sharing? We're sharing the voice of God, right? That's God's voice. It's the living Word of God. It's a guaranteed conversation. See, we hear from God through other people and through pastors and speakers and on the radio, but that's sometimes... See, I can go to this every single morning of my life and have a conversation with God. Every morning. It's a roadmap. It's a roadmap of where we were, where we are, and where we're going. It guides us. This is an instruction manual. And unfortunately, fewer people today are realizing that. Fewer people in that word. So before we go into scriptures, I want to share a couple stats with you. According to Statista.com, at the end of 2021... Only 11% of adult male Christians read the Word of God every day. A conversation with God, free, available, every day. Only 11% read that. Yet time in the Word doesn't show our dedication, our commitment to a relationship, and it's the same thing you do in every other relationship, right? When you first saw your, your spouse, you looked across the room, and there they were. There they were, and you went, oh my gosh, I got to have her. I got to have him. I want to spend my whole life with them. And you put your best foot forward, because this one had ingrown toenails and curled toes and everything, and you put your best foot forward, and you said, I got to have her. And you courted her, or him. You loved on them, and you shown them all that love and commitment. You built something great with them. Or like when your child is born, and you put everything you have into that relationship, and your friendships, and your hobbies, even your careers. But yet at times, we don't put that commitment into our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't put that daily effort into the Word of God. 
9%, excuse me, 26% answered never. They never read the Word of God, adult American Christians. According to LifeWay.com, 42% of people don't prioritize or have time to read, a God, read the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, that was me. I'm going to pick on me. I'm not going to pick on anybody else. That was me. I would say, I'm going to read tomorrow morning. I'm going to get up. I'm going to read the Word of God. And then I'd get up, and the coffee maker was broke, or my clothes weren't ready, or it snowed, and I knew I had to go out and shovel, and, and I wouldn't read the Word of God. And then I'd say, I'll read it tonight when I get home. And then you worked late, and you forgot to lay something out, so you got to stop by the store, and you're busy, and it's just crazy, and you're tired and stuff, and you don't read the Word of God. And it's not intentional. We all do it. It is not intentional, but what happens? It becomes habitual. And next thing you know, it becomes easier and easier to not have that conversation with God every day. And then we just stop having it, and we have it on Sundays. We have it on Sundays only. 9% of those people said it doesn't relate to me. And I have laugh out loud here next to that in my deal because I'm going to pick on me again because that used to be me too. That used to be me. I used to, I used to um, sit in church when the pastor would get up here and I kind of have some anxiety. I know he's going to point at me and a lightning bolt is going to hit me and he's going to reveal my sin. And then he'd begin to talk and that wasn't my sin and that wasn't my pain and that wasn't my grief and I'd be... Whew, I skated today, and I'd thumb through my Bible and study other things and look at my phone, and I'd build things in my head because I like to build things in my head. And, and I would skate, and one day the Lord says, Bobby, he calls me Bobby. All my friends and family call me Bobby. He says, Bobby, he goes, but that word is for you. There's two kinds of people that are in church. Every Sunday, there's two kinds of people. There's the person that's living that sin, that pain and that grief, the person that needs to hear that word. And then there's the person over here that may not be living that, but they know someone who is, or they're going to meet someone who is. And you know what, Bobby? I'm preparing you for that. So see, every word I send to you, whether it's Sunday when you're sitting in front of the pastor, you're listening to me on the radio, you're at the men's prayer breakfast, it doesn't matter. Every word I bring to you, I bring to everybody. It's for every single person. I was reading an article one day about a famous lady. I think she's really famous. And if you haven't heard of you, I suggest you look her up because I really don't have time to talk a lot about her today. But I, I love the article. Her name is Corey Tinboom. And she's an amazing, amazing person. And embedded in the article were some of her quotes. And one of those quotes hit me right in the heart. Hit me right in the heart. And the quote was, make an appointment with God every day and keep it. And I can remember saying to myself, my Lord, you are so committed to an intimate relationship with me. You have healed me. You have given me salvation, and you have healed me of an incurable disease. You have blessed me with a beautiful family. You have blessed my finances. I want for nothing. You are so good to me, Lord, and I do not take the time of day to give back in that intimate relationship. And that changed my life, just reading that quote because I just really believe I have to be in the Word of God every single day. 6% of these people answered they didn't have a Bible. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I am so passionate about this. This ain't a pat on my back. Everything I say today, let me tell you, I fall flat on my face all the time, and God lifts me back up. He's standing me tall today, and I thank Him for that. 
But 6% of the people said they don't own a Bible. And if you're in here today and you don't own a Bible, you see me after the service, I'll get a Bible in your hands. We'll get a Bible in your hands. We will do that. It is estimated only 30% of the world, 2 billion Christians, will read the entire Bible in their lifetime. 82% only read it on Sundays. If you do the math, the number of scriptures mentioned... I'm trying to shorten this up. Number of scriptures mentioned and how many times, how many times you go to church throughout the year. It will take you 62 years to read the entire word of God if you only read it along with your pastor on Sunday. 62 years, folks. A lifetime. Some of us don't have that much time. We don't know how long we have. And you'll forget more than you've read. By the time you get to that 62-year plan, you're like, ah, I'm 75, but I got the Bible done. It's not going to happen for you. According to Pew Research Institute, one in four believe the Word of God is just written by men. That's all it is, a book written by men. I submit to you that that's half true. It's written, through, it's written by God. It's inspired by God and memorialized by men so that we would have it today to have that conversation every day. So I was studying in the book of Isaiah, and I get up in the morning and I go out usually in my camo robe and my coffee and I sit in the bay window in my lazy boy chair and a lot of times I'm up before Margaret and I'm sitting there and, and I pray. And when I'm by myself, again, not a pat on my back, this is what I do. When I'm by myself, I can really reach God. It's almost like I'm trying to, <clears throat> trying to get up there and reach him and I'll pray like that. And I had prayed and I'd, I'd brought my hands down and I'd begin reading and I was reading in Isaiah 66 too and... and um, and it says, I'll read it to you, has not my hand made all things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite and who tremble at my word. My hands went back up. I went, my God, Lord, we don't tremble at your word. Our country does not tremble at your word. Our government doesn't tremble at your word. And I was sad, our church doesn't tremble at your word. And I don't mean this church. I mean the church does not tremble at your word. And I was in that position myself at one time. And then I thought of Luke eleven twenty eight. but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Well, how do we know what to put into practice? Because I come in here and listen to JR on Sunday, so I know everything about the word of God. I can put it into practice. How do we know about that? In John 1, 3, or John chapter 1, 1 through 3. This is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. This is where the ministry begins. This is where you meet the, the Messiah, okay? And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And I love that verse. And then it goes on later on in verse 12 to say that, and he came, the word, came to live among his own, and they rejected him. But then those who didn't reject him and believed in him were given the right to become children of God. I love that verse, and I, I'm one of those people that study, that sometimes I'll see a word, and I have to go look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew and, and see what it really means, get an amplified version of it. And so in that sense, the word means logos. And logos can be used in a standard way, like word, or a special way, word of God, or unique, the word. And right here, it's, it's unique. 
It describes, I love how it begins like Genesis does, in the beginning, in the beginning. And right here it describes everything. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and He was with God. The Son of God, the Word of God was with God. He was distinct from God. But then what's our next verse say? And He was God. So He's also of the essence of God. He's God, distinct but one. So God's plan and God's purpose and God's word. See, God, our creator, wrapped himself in flesh and came to us in the person of Jesus Christ and revealed himself in his word to all his creation. And that's what I love about that that portion of the Bible, that that portion of John. I just love that chapter. Hebrews 4.12 It says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and sparrow, excuse me, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. I rhyme spirits with marrow. Do you like how I married those together? I made a new word, sparrow. (laughs) Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. And so what did I do? I had to go look up that word living. And that word living comes from the Greek word zaus, if I'm saying that right. If I'm not, I apologize. Z-A, for you grammar majors, an O with a squiggly line over it, and an S, zaus. And that word does mean at times alive, living. But it's also used, it's also interpreted many times as causing to live. Make alive, experience God's great life. And then I looked at that and I went, the word of God makes you alive. It's active. It's living. It's alive. It makes you alive. The word of God confronts our sin. It can penetrate anything. It judges everything. It is our authority. Not man, not the church, not religion. The word of God is our authority. And it gives us authority. We get to use it. It gives us authority. To be a man and woman of God. It never changes. And we, you know, we use those words soul and spirit interchangeably a lot. People think they mean the same thing and they don't. It's like joints and marrow. When I was younger and a little more stupid, I'm going to teach you. You were supposed to laugh. I thought somebody would yell, you're still stupid, Bob. But when I was younger, I would look at that verse and I go, why is joints and marrow in there? That don't make any sense. But see, your joints and marrow... They, they're, they're different, but they work together. And your soul and spirit are distinctly, distinctively different, and they work together. First Thessalonians 5.23, And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our spirit is our innermost. That's where we receive God. That's where we speak to God. That's where we reach out. It's where that relationship says. Like in John 4.24, God is spirit, and those who worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, our soul's different. Our soul's us. It's our personality, our emotions, our mind, our will. It's what we actually manifest God with when we believe in him. Luke 1.46 and 47, I love this verse. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has exalted in God my Savior. So see, Mary, it says, has exalted. So Mary had exalted in God her Savior. Mary had glorified and reached out to God and and was intimate and loved him and praised him and worshipped him. Her soul reached out to, her spirit reached out to God. But then it says her soul magnified him. See, and that's that light. 
the light that we share all the time. See, Mary exalted God, and then she went and she shared him. She, her soul magnified him. She couldn't help but talk about God her Savior. And we all know the armor of God, right? In chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 17, I won't read the entire armor of God. I don't have time. JR's got a limit on me. <laughs> so, but chapter, verse 17, I'm in chapter 6. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is also God. And the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. And you know how a lot of times I think we, we forget that the armor of God, we're not told to wear it on Sunday when we go to church. Ooh, Bob, you're going to have a bad day today. Put the armor of God on when you go to work. You don't have to wear it the rest of the week. You don't have to wear it at home. You're safe here. We have to put the armor of God on every single day of our lives. You know, the breathplate of righteousness. See, I'm talking so fast to get this all in here that I'm like making my own words. But, but the, we're supposed to put that sword on the belt of truth. That doesn't mean wear your sword some days. That means wear your sword every day. That's what that means, folks, to have that sword. Christian warriors train with their sword. See, it's a double-edged sword. It penetrates everything, as we mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier. It penetrates everything. A, a sword has, is sharp on both sides, so you can wield it either way you want to. But also when you stab, having a lot of experience in forensics, when you stab with a double-edged blade, it penetrates deeper and further. It penetrates everything. It's an effective weapon in defending against evil. But it's effective offensively to prepare. The more we understand the word of God, the more we're able to do God's will. Am I right or am I right? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. How do we repair? How are we repaired? Ask ourself that question. Am I prepared? Am I prepared if somebody asks me to come forward with the word? How do we disciple our sons and daughters? How do we encourage our spouses or disciple them? That guy at work, that neighbor. How are we preparing with the word of God to help other people? To go ye thereforth and make disciples of all nations? Or how are we preparing just to defend ourselves from the enemy? To stay strong in Christ? I want to share a little bit about what happens when we study the Word of God. And boy, i got to speed up here, so I'm going to make a lot more new words, so bear with me. <laughs> Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. One of my favorite verses. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How do you hide God's word in your heart if you're not in God's word? It's a faithful, the Word of God is a faithful declaration of the character of God. It's, it tells us how to worship God. It increases our faith. Romans ten seventeen says that it does. You want to have a great marriage? I got a good joke about this too, but don't have time, so blame it on JR. So, so can I tell it? All right, I'm going to go for it. If you guys will indulge me. So we have this young couple that we got married, and they're living in our guest cabin, and they were both working at 1889 Coffee, and they were engaged, and I was sitting there reading one morning in the Word, and drinking my coffee, and 
she wasn't working and he came by and he delivered her cinnamon roll and she goes, give me a napkin, please. And he went and got her a napkin. I go, get used to it, buddy. And he comes over and he's talking to me and I told him, I said, listen, I go, I go, how are you feeling? He goes, I feel pretty good. And I go, listen, if you want your marriage to work, you guys got to get into role playing. And he looked at me and he began to sweat and he turned white and, and he was trying to smile and he was watching me and I was just loving this and I was eating it up and I go, because role playing's the best, dude. It'll mend your marriage, it'll make it work, it'll make it strong. And I decided to let him off the hook because he was about to faint. And I said, I go, listen, I go, the Bible tells us that the, a man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And a woman is to love her husband as she would love Christ. And those two roles right there, if you play those two roles, your marriage will last forever. And I could see the perspiration leave and the color come back into his face. And, and they're married now. They stay in our guest cabin until their house is ready and, and stuff. But I could see the relief on him. It was huge. Okay, I took enough time with that. So you want to learn how to rear your children? The Word of God right? It's in there. How do we pray? It's in the Word of God. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Forgiveness. You know, we don't, we, mo- a lot of people say, I forgive, but I don't forget. The Bible don't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. Forgiveness is forgiveness, just like the forgiveness that God gives us. Luke ten twenty seven tells us how to love the Lord your God and how to love your neighbor. And there's a chapter on love and there's a book on love. You want to learn about love? You want to do a subject matter study? Study love in the Bible. You'll be an expert. You'll be ahead of any doctor, counselor in the world. The Word of God fills us with hope. This is where it really affects me. I get so much hope out of it, guys. And Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past, written in the past, was written to teach us So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That tells us, that's God telling us right there that the scriptures bring us hope. Am I the only one seeing that? I think so, right? It protects us against false teachings. And the Bible says a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. They'll surround themselves with a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. How do you prepare to defend yourself against that? You got to know what's in the Word. God is no longer an afterthought when you're in the Word all the time. JR spoke a few weeks ago, and so I stole this from him because I already had this. I was already working on this, and, and he said it, and I went, wow, I need that. And so I took it, and he talked about a survey where non-Christians who were surveyed said they wished they knew a Christian. They were fascinated by the Bible, and they wish they knew a Christian to tell them what it is we believe. They wish they knew a Christian so the Christian could help them, tell them how to be a better dad. Do you all remember this? Or a better wife, a, you know, a better spouse, or better father. Are we prepared for that? That's low-hanging fruit. That's not your grumpy old neighbor that goes, don't tell me about God, I don't believe in him. And you put him on your chicken list because you'll talk to him later when you're stronger. <laughs> that's, that's low-hanging fruit. That's easy pickings. These people already want to hear about the word of God. I want to be prepared for that. Word of God rewards us, comforts us. It gives us knowledge and the wisdom to share that knowledge. The word moves us from knowing of God to knowing God. 
an intimate relationship. If you don't believe me on that, do a word study on the word believe in John 3.16. It comes from the root word, it comes from the Greek word pistuo and the root word pistis. And look at what that means. And then ask yourself, do I believe in God? It's a great study. Isn't it odd? And I threw this in there because I thought it was pretty cool that Matthew, in the, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, I tell you the truth 30 times. In Mark, he says, I tell you the truth 13 times. In Luke, nine times. And in John, 27 times. Jesus wasn't a liar, and none of us thought that. Nobody thought he was a liar. But why did he feel like he had to look at people and go, I tell you the truth. I'm giving you the truth. My father sent me with the truth. This is the word of God. It's truth. Do you remember when we did the study with Pastor Rick Warren? We did the home studies, the fellowships. I think it was 40 days to Jesus, 40 days in the word. And we'd watch those videos with Rick Warren, and I watched one one time. I don't even know if it was one of the videos we were supposed to watch because I watched a lot of his videos. And he put it really simple. He's bold. And he says, if Scripture says there's something you should be doing it and you're not doing it, then you don't believe in that Scripture. You don't believe in a part of the Word of God. And if there's something in that Word that you're doing and it says don't do it and you're doing it, then you don't believe in that scripture. You don't believe in that word of God. So I'm going to try to hurry here. So how do we study the word of God? How do we study the word of God? There's a lot of people in here that are studiers. There's a lot of people in here that are readers. There's apostles in here. See, at what point in our life do we take all that discipleship that we had and we become the apostles? And we start to bend down and help others. People that walk in these doors and are brand new Christians and teach them to read the word of God. There's a lot of people like that in here. So I know they're going to agree with me when I tell you this. When you're going to study the word, the very first thing that you do is pray. I know that's obvious. But you pray and you listen and you reach out to God. And you do it the way you want to do it. You reach out to God. I'm just giving you an example. You know, I reach out and I say, God, speak to me through your word. Give me those words to share with the sick and the infirmed, Lord. I'm just, I'm submitted to you. Give me those words. Speak to me with your words. Speak to my heart, Lord. But here's the second thing you got to do. You have to go in on E. You have to go in empty. Think of it as a gas tank. You've got to go in empty. Forget your stance on politics. Forget your stance on religion. Forget your stance on relationships. See, because you can go in here. You can go into this. I want you to picture this. This is the living word of God. And I want you to always picture it as breathing. Because it's God's voice. It is alive. It is living and active. It speaks to us every day. But when you go in there and you pray, you got to go in on easy. Because I can go in here with a, with a political stance. Oh, boy, I'm going to show them. And I'll find what I want to read, but I'm not finding truth. See, when you go in to seek the Word of God, you can forget about all your stances. They're not important. None of them are important. Receiving the Holy Spirit and truth, what God wants you to receive, that's what's important. So go in there on E. Read the entire Bible first if you want to. I always encourage people start in the book of John. There's, no, there's several ways to skin a rabbit. Don't just listen to me. 
There's a lot of people. I tell them, start in the book of John. I love that. Meet the Messiah. Go all the way to the end. Come back. When you hear Revelation, let's get together, and I'll help you go through Revelation, because that can be tough when you haven't read the Bible very much. And then we'll start throwing in Psalms and Proverbs, and we'll throw in some of the Old Testament. But there's a lot of ways to do it. I'm just giving you a place to start. Study a book and take notes. What was this chapter about? And how did it pertain to me? What was God saying to me? I share that just for that reason. Memorize scripture. Psalm 119.11, one-year Bible study, a group study. After you've read the whole word of God, do a character study. Take David and find out everything you know you can find out about David. And you will retain so much. Take Jesus. And study everything you can find out about him. Not just what it says in the Gospels, but how they refer to him later on in the Bible and the epistles and how they refer to him in Revelations. Do a, do a word study. Take the word believe and do a word study. What does that mean? And when you're done, do another one. Acronyms. I wrote acronyms because place things like studies like BSF. My wife gets so much from BSF. I mean, I'm almost tearing up right now when I think of when she goes to BSF and she has her notes and she studies her notes every morning so that she can participate in the conversation at the group. And it is so amazing the growth I have seen in her for participating in that. And I'm almost done, I promise. We're close. Adopt an apostle. Isn't that cool? Adopt an apostle. See, there's apostles in here. Apostle just means one who sent there's, an apo- there's apostles in there, adopt one. There's people in here like Lynn and Joanne and John Barbagello. I can't tell you how many times I've been around John and somebody said something about the word and it comes out of his pocket. And John is ready. Joe Hayes. We have those people here. And go to them and say, I was reading the book of John and I'm stomped here a little bit. I had some questions. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? They'll go sit down with you. And they'll answer every question that you have. They'll walk you through the word of God. They'll show you things that they learned over the years. Or there, then there's the guy that started the insurance company, A.L. Williams. And he coined the phrase, just do it. But, but A.L., I don't know why my business, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Get in that word every day. Be organized about it. Because you don't want to miss any of it. It's a conversation with God every day. I'm sure I forgot something today because I was speaking so fast. Coming here is great when you, when you come here and you hear the word of God. It is amazing. And I'm going to tell you right now, J.R. speaks to my heart more than any pastor ever has. And that's, that's saying a lot. I've been a Christian a long time. I've been in front of a lot of pastors, whether TV or church. And he runs from me because I come and shake his hand all the time. That was really good. But there's great messages here. I've seen BG give good messages. Jason, great messages. And oh my gosh, three weeks ago, did you see Rebecca? I'm glad I didn't have to follow that. And I know Rebecca go, but hey, that was God. I give the glory to God. But I'm going to tell you what, you were the obedient and devoted one that was obedient to God and said, okay, God, give me this message. I'm going to stand up here and present it. And she was amazing. But see, our pastors are only trailers and commercials. That's it. As wonderful as they are, you get bits and pieces of the big show. And I would encourage you to see the movie. 
I'm going to close with a question and a challenge for everybody. I like to do that. My question is this. I don't mean to make anyone sad, but my question is this. If you found out tomorrow that you were dying, you got two weeks left, and that can happen. I, I grew up and I knew a guy in my hometown. His skin began to turn yellow. His eyes got yellow. He went to the doctor, and he was so overcome with liver cancer. Doc says two weeks. Nobody could believe it. He was gone two weeks. See, the Bible says what man can live and not see death to save himself from the power of the grave. It's there for all of us. And it's coming, and nobody knows when it's going to happen. But if you were dying, if you had the luxury of knowing you got three months, you got six months, would you, I ask, would you be in the Word more? Would you pray more? Would you try to draw closer to God? I know that I would. I know that I'd be praying that my wife's grief... I think she would grieve for him at home, but I would be praying that, that her grief would be gentle. I think in my mind that my daughter would be devastated, and I would pray, I would pray to God that he would be gentle with her, and my grandkids. I'd be praying for my grandkids in this world. I'd be praying every day. I'd be praying for their spouses. I don't even know who they, none of us know that, but God, who are their spouses going to be? Let them be a man and woman of God. But if you're, if you're answering that question in your mind right now and you're saying, oh, yeah, I would, why not today? Why not be in the Word of God is such a beautiful conversation you get to have every day. Here's the challenge. We truly are in a crisis, and that crisis is the lack of the Word of God in our daily lives. And those in here that are in the Word of God, may he bless you. Because, see, we, we, have to, we have to encourage other people that aren't, especially new Christians. We have to encourage them about the great conversation, the true and living Word of God. And I'm glad you're here. Because you, you can't truly have an intimate relationship with God without it. And if you are having one that you think is intimate, imagine what it will grow to. Imagine what it'll grow to. So here's my challenge. If you were to walk in your daughter's bedroom, this is the last thing I have to say, and gosh, I'm over, and I so apologize. Here's the last thing I have to say. If you were to walk in your daughter's room today and take her diary, I was hoping the kids would be in here because they'd be like, what? It's a good thing they're outside. And you took her diary, or that's kind of old school. You took her phone, and you went through the phone. You looked at every text. You read their diary. You would see what they like and dislike about you, what they like and dislike about your spouse, how they feel about God, what they think about church, what the, why they date guys you can't stand, <laughs> why they hate algebra, might not be the teacher, could be the work, vice versa, but you would leave there sometimes with a broken heart, sometimes just happy, but you would know them more intimately than you ever thought you could. And I am not encouraging you to do that. I don't want no little kids coming up to me next week going, why did you do that? I'm using it as an analogy. But you would know them more intimately than you ever did before. This is the character of God. This story tells us how much he loves us. This story tells us how much he forgives us. This tells us everything I need to know about God. This is God's diary. I would encourage you to read the diary. God bless you and thanks. I'm going to ask JR up here to close us in prayer.
Thank you, Bob. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we are thankful for your word. Lord, that it's, it's not just a record, it's not just history, it's not just written by men, but it's powerful and effective working out things in our lives. And God, I, I pray that uh, these truths would go forth and plant seeds in our hearts. Seeds that turn into fruitful gardens of knowing your word, of being able to share your word, of knowing how to navigate and encourage others in your word. Lord, we thank you for that and we pray that there would be great fruit from what Bob has shared with us today about the truths of your word. God, I'm thankful today that you are the rock of truth. Truth isn't relative. Truth isn't based on current opinion. It's not based on societies and cultures. It's timeless. And it's you. It transcends all things in creation. And so God, we're thankful, Lord, that you've given us a glimpse into who you are and what your ways are. Lord, I thank you for everyone that joined us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.